You're gonna need a bigger boat. Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! I'm having an old friend for dinner. You are a toy! She wouldn't even have a fly. You can't handle the truth! I'll be back. English motherfucker, do you speak it? Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. Alright, and welcome back to another episode of Cinematic Blind Spots. I'm Adam. And I'm Josh. And today we are reviewing a movie that uh, the actual director reached out to us and asked if uh, we would talk about it. Um, this is a movie from this year, you know, an actual movie that came out in the year 2020. Can you imagine that? We are talking about We Are the Missing, a quote-unquote mockumentary, which I, I admit when I first uh, heard that or saw that, I was kind of like, uh, I don't know. Because, like, when I think of mockumentaries, I think of shows like The Office and Parks and Rec and stuff like that. And those have just never really been my thing. Um, but I gotta say, this was pretty interesting. And, oh, okay. um, pretty, you know, really kept me, kept me through to the very end, I would say. There is no Rotten Tomato critic score for this film, but it does have a 6.6 .6 out of 10 on IMDb, which is a pretty good score, if you ask me. Judging from yeah, how how low movies usually score on those. <laughs> so this movie was written and directed by Andrew J.D. Robinson. And he reached out to us asking if we would talk about it and was like, sure, we've never... This was the first time anyone has ever asked us to review their movie. Right. Um, and just a side note, not only written and directed, but it says on there, produced by Work Obey Films. Mm -hmm. But that is him doing all the things like he was the film's producer casting director lighting sound recorder editor sound mixer wow music composer i mean he did everything on this this is his movie full and through okay because I, well, I was just looking at some of the um some of the trivia facts they have here on uh on imdb and they mentioned the music direction for alcamilla's original score so um maybe that was I don't know. Was that the same? Was that like another name that he had, or no? Uh, I guess he's. It did say additional music composer, so maybe okay. he did something in addition to that. I guess. Okay, okay. Um, that was actually one thing I did really find very, I think, impactful about this movie was how the sound just really gave you an air of creepiness. You know, this is this starts out as a like I said, a mockumentary of you know, what we think is a missing person's case. And then it just goes crazy from there. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I was looking at it and it said, I mean, one of the, another one of the things on IMDb said, most of this movie's $300 budget went to <laughs> Uber fare, bus tickets and catering all out of pocket. Now, when we re when we reviewed Turbo Kid, I was going on about how insane it was that someone made a movie for $60,000 this movie was made for $300? Well, it's also because it was made by like an independent horror scene. So just people that are part of a group wanting to make a movie together. So I don't think anybody's getting paid off this. That's still really cool, I think. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, because the, the format of this film... I mean, this, this according to IMDb, the screenplay was written from 2016 to 2019... And production started in May of 2019 and managed to be completed during 2020's quarantine digitally. The format of this film 
was what made that possible, I think. Yeah, and it's, I guess it's a good thing they changed it because it was originally going to be told in a first-person narrative and played out like a real film. I was looking at that, uh, too. Um, under the title of Shadow People. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, yeah, but really, really interesting. Uh, and, and it said that, yeah, the film was com- was a community effort involving over 110 members from the horror indie scene, both locally in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and internationally. Now, that makes me wonder, when they say $300, was that $300 U.S. or Canadian? <laughs> <laughs> Don't think it makes much of a difference. But yeah. Right. Um, we all, let's see, the, uh, the, tops, the top billers in this movie was, um, I'm probably going to butcher some of these names, I'm sorry, but this mm-hmm. movie is starring Misa Hori, Mark Templin, Willow McGregor, and Eleonora Potalova. Potalova. Again, I'm sorry if I if I butchered any of your names, if any of you were listening. <laughs> I am but, glad you're looking directly at that, because my autocorrect changed that to Marissa. <laughs> did Was it Marissa? No, my, no, did, I just oh, looked at it to check, and you're right, oh, it is. Oh, okay, okay, well. My well, autocorrect I, did that. My <laughs> autocorrect didn't fail me for once. How about that? <laughs> so, be, but before we get into our episode, and before we get into our discussion of the movie, we've got a couple of promos from our friends over at the Shoot the Flick podcast, as well as Fat, Drunk, and Stupid podcast. So we'll be right back after this. Hey there, this is Frankie Sparks. And this is Sky Eisenberg. We are Shoot the Flick. Yes, an official Paradoja podcast. Every Wednesday, Scott and I introduce each other to a brand spanking new movie that the other one has never seen. We talk about it, give our thoughts on it, and also share some behind-the-scenes fun facts. We want you guys to come enjoy watching the movie with us. Yes, so check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick. Check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. We hope you guys give us a listen soon. Bye! Hey folks, Rob here from Fat, Drunk, and Stupid, and what is that you ask? Well, aside from three words that describe my life, it's a podcast. We talk about food, fun, fellowship, movies, books, video games, pop culture, and much more. Also, some very interesting guests and some awesome stories, and of course, some cold beers along the way too. So look us up on Twitter at FDS Podcast 7 and look for Fat, Drunk, and Stupid wherever you find your favorite podcast. Thanks for listening. So this film, like we said, is a mockumentary. So and it feels really genuine as far as I felt like I was really watching a documentary for most of it. And I guess they have to say mockumentary because it's not a documentary. It's not like like you hear the word mock in something and you think they're making fun, but Right, right. This is not, not a comedy. No, 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 this is not no. a comedy. This is a uh I'll say a thriller for right now. Um <laughs> But it starts with a bunch of random photos of people smiling with a narrator talking about how everyone has something hidden behind their smiles and how depression wears many faces. Right. And Riley was one of those. Riley Madison is the subject at the beginning of this documentary who has gone missing and nobody knows where she is or how she is. Riley's father, John Madison 
is talking about how you never think it's going to happen to you, but, it, you know, that's naive because it can always happen to you. Right. And then we see this statistic. Every year, 600,000 people remain missing in every country. Now, is that people who, I want to know, is that people who go missing? Or, like or like I said, I guess people who remain missing. Or I guess, like, missing people's, missing persons cases that they never, that they never, um, um, Close, I Close. guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, never find anyone. Yeah. Uh, we are introduced to Riley's mother, Angie, talking about how, you know, she always knew Riley had gone to school in the morning because she would wake up and smell burnt toast. But that morning, there wasn't any. And she heard a phone ring upstairs. It was Riley's phone, rang multiple times, all with missed calls from her friend Mackenzie, who's also wondering where she is. Now, Angie saw that Riley's backpack was still there in her room and decided to check the main closet where her shoes were still there. And she mentioned that she found a coffee pot, um, uh, like a, an extension cord running into a closet that had a coffee pot and a bunch of, you know, coffee mugs in it. She, she figured, oh, she must be, like, pulling all-nighters or something. Um, now, at first, John didn't think it was strange, but Angie immediately wanted to call the police. But John was like, no, it's not time to worry yet. But that night... Not, Riley still hadn't returned. So yeah, Angie called 911 to report her as missing. And the last thing that Riley ever said to her mother was, I love you too. Which is, I guess, if those are going to be last words to someone you love, that's good. Yeah, it could have been worse. could have been much worse. It could have been like yes. a... <laughs> did you ever see three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri? Yes. Oh, God. The last words that woman said to her daughter. Oh, jeez. Um... <laughs> Now, John went out look, driving, looking for Riley, and Angie stayed home, waiting up to see if she would come home, but she didn't. Nobody found her. Nobody knew where she was. The police came. They confiscated all of her belongings. It could have been any leads. And Angie wonders just how, how hundreds of people can go missing today with all of the tech that we have, all the phones and cameras and social media we've got. I mean, God, I was with my mom today. We were running some errands, and she was, like, on her phone looking at my dad's phone location. Like that's kind of creepy. Do you ever do that to me? <laughs> of course, I only I only go to two places. I go to work and I go home. Um, but yeah, like with with all the technology we have today, it'd be really hard for someone to go missing completely. Um, but the, and and you know the, the 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 documentary filmmaker asks to describe Riley in one word, and John's like, right. "Funny." She gets her sense of humor from me. And Mom it, does not agree with that. No, no, no. She's like, he's like, whenever John tells it jokes, it's like everyone forgot to laugh. Yeah. Um, now, Angie said she was creative. She was one of those kids that you had to tell to stop talking to strangers. And when she was little, she had an imaginary friend named Mikey. And that was, you know, I did, did you have an imaginary friend when you were a kid, Josh? I did not have an imaginary friend. Sometimes I wonder if did all you? of my friends were imaginary. <laughs> no, not really. Not really. Uh, my friends were video games. <laughs> I, I grew up in a neighborhood full of old people. There weren't any kids for me to play with, so Mario and Sonic were my friends. And Mega Man. Can't forget Mega Man. <laughs> but, um, yeah, this imaginary friend named Mikey. And, like, John was afraid that, that Riley wouldn't be able to form real relationships as an adult. And then we're introduced to a new character, Phoebe Taylor, who was Riley's elementary school teacher. And she said Riley would have full-blown conversations with Mikey in class to the point where she had to tell Riley to make Mikey wait outside and they could play at recess. Right. 
So, okay. Then they decided to play I Spy in class. I Spy with my little eye. And Riley said she saw something red. Red. And the teacher's like, well, is it like a, uh, is it another student's uh, sweater or is it the apple on my desk? And she's like, no. She said it was Mikey. Mikey was outside, or she, she said it was outside the window, but there was nothing there. And Phoebe asked her to draw what she saw. And she drew an elongated ghost with cracked, broken, broken skin. And, and Riley said Mikey didn't like being outside because it hurt his skin. Yep. I'd be like, hello, child psychiatrist. Um, need, need you to come over here pretty, pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, and Angie says that one day Riley was throwing a temper tantrum while getting ready for school and called her, quote unquote, the C word. And C I don't mean word. cancer either. <laughs> she did. And, and she's like, she probably doesn't even know what that word means. Where did she learn that? And Riley's like, well, that's what Mikey says. So... John knows that Riley didn't hear from him. He's like, yeah, I, I know things got bad during our divorce, but I don't, I don't think I ever used that word on Angie. Um, yeah, and it was about that time that John and Angie filed for divorce. This was during a recession, apparently. And so even though they were divorced, they were still living in the same house because they couldn't sell the house. Right. <laughs> um, so, but then things started to get a little, little bit more normal for Riley when she met Mackenzie in high school. And they were... Fast friends, they shared the same favorite, according to Mackenzie, they shared the same pastime, favorite pastime of hating stuff. And she became like another daughter to the family. And to the point where when someone asked Riley to prom, she turned them down because she and Mackenzie were going to write horror films instead. And, and I, I wrote down the title of these films. I did too. Because I, like, I, I want to see some of these. These, <laughs> these would be great, great movies. Uh, clothes. A brand new, a new brand of terror, excuse me. Saturday Night, Saturday Night Cleaver. Cleaver. <laughs> I can only imagine like disco zombies or something like that. Or, or disco, <laughs> like Jason out on a disco floor with his machete or something. Uh, um, I think the next one's supposed to be Jason. Oh yeah, I don't know what it is, but it's got a machete. <laughs> yeah. um, invasion of the Mommy Snatchers. I, I caught, caught father kissing a body bag. Yes, and this next one, this is the one I want to see. Biker sharks from planet You're Dead. <laughs> yeah, I could, you'd be all over that. Yes, that I sounds like, that sounds like a combination of biker mice from Mars and street sharks. Do you remember street sharks? Uh, vaguely, I remember it being on. I don't remember the actual show. A whole yeah, lot. I think I only saw like one or two episodes of the whole thing. But I was, for I just I guess I thought the anthrop the idea of anthropomorphic sharks was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> another film title: Shut Up and Don't Stop Killing. And then these these ones: Mars needs your bones. One, two, three. A new bone to or a bone to pick. And four, a new beginning. And Mars could really use your bones. Wow, they wrote a whole series of horror movies. How did they never get made? I really want to see Biker Sharks from Planet You're Dead. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, they, they sound pretty good. Yeah, they sound great. That and uh, Saturday Night Cleaver, I really want to see that. Now, um, now, Angie wasn't sure if she should be worried about Riley, but John wasn't. And Mackenzie said that Riley didn't talk about what was wrong at home, but she knew something wasn't right. Riley said that we were like trees. Although our roots stay the same, our leaves can change, and that can define us instead. So, I mean, and, there, and 
I, I want to know, like, because um, there's a lot, I guess, drone footage in this movie. I want to know if they, like, had their own drone and got some of the footage, or if they if they found, like, a uh, um, royalty-free film uh, that they could use. But some of it's really beautiful. I'm like, my goodness, I need to go to Canada. Um, <laughs> now, the day that she went missing, you know, Angie was trying to access Riley's social media, her... What was it called? Face space? Face space. Face yeah. space. Uh, okay, it's like an amalgamation of MySpace and Facebook. Yes. <laughs> um, I, was, I, I heard that and I was kind of like, okay, come on, guys. You could have come up with something a little bit more original than that, but okay. If that's the worst part of this movie, that's fine. Um, yeah, so because Riley's technically missing and this is not a criminal case, the company will not give her access to her daughter's... Um, face space account now yeah, McKen- right, because something we didn't mention was that she's 22 years old oh yeah yeah she's an adult she's, she's not a minor yeah, yeah she's not a minor she is a full-grown adult um mckenzie was trying to log into her, her email account and the security question was what is the name of your best friend and she tried her name and it didn't work she tried another name because you know some guy bernard, bernard <laughs> a long time ago said that everyone was his friend and then angie told mckenzie about mikey and that worked. But there was nothing in her inbox. Except she checked and found that Riley had blocked a guy named Jason Thompson. He was this local low-life, you know, bar-fighting idiot. And um, McKenzie... Yeah, I thought I'd have laughed that he would pick bar fights because he took up wrestling just to try to hone his skills, I yeah, guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That sounds like something that might happen around here. <laughs> now, um... Now, as soon as McKenzie unblocked him, she was thinking about, you know, what should I call, should I try and pretend to be Riley? Should I be just be forward and say like, hey, have you heard from her? We're looking for her. And before she can even, can, can even send him a message, he sends her a message instantly asking to send nudes. So, um, and then we just yeah, get, I, I saw a great, I saw a great meme on that today. It was like, send nudes. And the girl's like, you got to pay for them. The guy's like, oh, you're a slut. And I'm like, really? You <laughs> just asked her to send nudes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those are that. These are the days we live in. And, and then, and then the next thing we get is John, like you know, still in the interview, and he's like, "I blame the education system." <laughs> <laughs> um, now, Angie leaves a note for Riley in case she comes home while she's gone. Now, they didn't really mention this that much, but it's been like two months since she's gone missing. It's been a while since she went missing. Um, now. Mackenzie thinks that, you know, they're not any closer to finding her after after months. Like I said, the police searched the woods near where they had found some bodies earlier during the quote-unquote summer of fear. I would have liked to have heard more about that. Um, <laughs> but that's, you know, John finds out that Angie is just pulling double shifts. She's not eating. She's not sleeping. She's just pushing herself full force into finding her daughter. Now, Mac- yeah. and Mackenzie started a social media page to try and find her, but that turned into, you know, a platform trolls. for trolls, which, God yes. almighty, every social media pl- turns into a platform for trolls. Um, someone found John's work number and accused him of killing Riley, and Angie was getting calls from unknown numbers accusing her of killing Riley. John actually got into a fight with a guy who was accusing him. And then some people said, you should be ashamed of what you did. Yeah, yeah. Some people said she killed herself or ran away or was sold into sex slavery or was abducted by aliens. And then 
someone said Marvin Carvin must have got must have got her. Yeah, Marvin Carvin. Did you? I remember when I was a kid, there was a chain of it was a chain of uh, gas stations called Starvin Marvin. (laughs) I don't know if you remember those or not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there used to be one up the street from my house, but you know, finally got closed down and changed into something else or something. Um, oh apparently Marvin Carvin was a supposed forest dweller who was just a scary bedtime story. Parents told their kids to make them behave like, Oh, if you don't behave, Marvin Carvin's going to come get you or don't but, go. But it's funny because it's like comes to the suburbs and they said, and feeds on unoccupied pets. I'm like, so how is that scaring the kids? Yeah, well, then then I think Mackenzie said... They go said, if they go further, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Mackenzie said something about, yeah, my mom said, don't go into the don't go into the woods with raw meat or Marvin Carvin's going to get you. I'm like, who, who would do that? Well, no, I wrote down the exact quote. Don't go out to the woods with unpackaged raw meats or Marvin Carvin will make you his treat. <laughs> okay. Had to make it rhyme. Had oh, to yeah, had to rhyme. make it rhyme. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. <laughs> There you see, there you go. You get Think, it. Yeah, things are more memorable when they rhyme. Um, exactly. And, and what's so funny was right after that, we get a we get a shot of Mackenzie in the woods, and she pulls out a pack of bacon, and she's like Marvin, pss, 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 which makes it sound like she's trying to call a cat. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yep. And she's like, you know, trying to coax him out of hiding, and someone shows up, but it's just a couple of kids who are also looking for Marvin Carbon. That would be me and my friends as kids. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> when someone tells you there's a crazy person living in the woods, you're like, where? <laughs> I, there was there was a, a myth in the apartment complex we grew up in about this guy named Old Man Aikman. And me and my friends went out in the woods searching for his cabin. And me and my one friend will swear up and down. We saw it one day and went back the next day and it wasn't there. So, <laughs> Okay. That's, <laughs> That's creepy. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> the cabin in the woods done up and done up and left um, yeah now as weeks continued with no leads search parties lessened their efforts there are a lot of a lot of these lines in here um are actually just you know bits of text that pop up on the screen and like i said that makes it feel like you're really watching a documentary right um, john just threw himself into his work i mean he just wanted to move forward perhaps they needed to accept that riley was gone and John and Angie felt like they should try to let Riley go. And, and they, have a celebration of life. Right. But Mackenzie rejected this idea. She's like, you guys are giving up on her. Angie's like, I tried giving up every time I cried myself to sleep or thought I saw Riley in public. I tried to give up. And John knew they just couldn't give up on her. And John says, sometimes the only way to move forward is to keep trying. Now, now we get a shot of John and Angie driving in the car, looking happy for the first time in this whole film. And they're holding mm-hmm. hands, and um, we notice that Angie has her wedding ring on again. And then we get a voicemail message. Someone named Carter, this documentary filmmaker, is, has left multiple messages trying to get in touch with John and Angie, and they're not returning her calls. And she calls Mackenzie... So, I mean, we can, we can figure that this is the person who's actually putting this whole movie together. Mackenzie hasn't heard from them lately either. So she goes to check on them. I like this part. This part was neat because you're on the screen, you see Carter on the phone talking to Mackenzie, but you also see the wave form of the audio from Mackenzie's right. phone call. I, I, thought, I thought that was a neat touch. Um, now, there's nobody home at, the, at, at, at their house. So Mackenzie decides to go into the garage door. She's got the code. Their car is still there. The light is on in the washroom, but nobody's there. So Mackenzie calls the police. 
and we get another one of those drone shots of the forest, but this time it's upside down, covered in snow. And we see that Angie and John's Madison, John Madison's whereabouts remain unknown. And Mackenzie was brought in for questioning, but she had an alibi and they had to let her go. No bodies were recovered from the bay or the shoreline. Nowhere. Nothing. They just, whew, gone. John said, and then we, you know, we see a shot of John earlier saying if he'd went missing, he would want people to gather all the facts so this doesn't happen again to someone. And Angie's saying, you know, I love you and I hope you know it. So I'm guessing she must have been talking to Riley when she said that. Right. Now, Mackenzie, you know, in her interview, she's saying people who are out of reach, they're not the only ones who are lost. The ones who are trying to hold on and move on are lost with us. We are the missing. And this is where you'd put the uh, the Peter Griffin. Oh, oh, he said it. You know, meme. <laughs> have, have you seen that? I don't think I have. Okay. Well, it was a joke from Family Guy where, you know, right. anytime he was watching a movie where they said the name of the movie in the right. movie, he'd be like, oh, oh, he said it. Like a clear and present danger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Now, in the wake of the Madison's disappearance, Mackenzie moved in with her sister, April. And she requested and takes a break from doing the documentary. Yeah, she's like, yeah. I want to take a break, but but she's still searching for Riley. Um, Riley's sister, Paige, originally, re- yeah, this is the first time we found out Riley had a sister. There has right. not been a single mention of her this entire movie. But Paige originally requested to be excluded from the documentary. However, she decided to, to contact Carter online, and she was saying, you know, and and this was this was uh, like I said, really makes this feel genuine because, I mean, you see videos like this every day that are, you know, kind of grainy. You can tell it was shot with a cell phone, but it adds to the realism, in my opinion. Um, Yeah, it does. She didn't know if the documentary would be Riley's homecoming or funeral. She was afraid that she would jinx it. When her parents went missing, she had to get this on record. So Paige reveals that she had not seen any of them. She had not seen John and Angie since, since the divorce. Um, it was like, and she said that it was like a tornado hit them, but left the house intact. Everything in their lives were destroyed, but everything was still kind of there. Um, and her pain, she said her pain felt like she was being punished. Every word and revelation of how cruel they would be to each other would ruin memories of her family. So, I I mean, I don't know, like, were John and Angie just really bad parents or what? Um... But Paige, yeah, I'm not sure. It sounds like there was a lot of yelling between them, though, because yeah, especially when they got divorced and had to live together. That, yeah, that couldn't have went well. And that yeah, that would suck. That would be really hard. Um, now Paige moved away, but and wanted Riley to come with her, but Riley wouldn't. But Riley would still call her every night after her parents went to bed. After everything they'd been through, Paige felt like all she could be to Riley was a voice on the phone, and. But the one memory they couldn't ruin for her were the movie nights they would have. Like, they would sneak down to the basement and pop popcorn and watch movies. And But, she, you know, she never knew that that would be the last time she'd saw, she'd see her. And Paige believes that Riley is gone for good. She, be, she believes Mackenzie will one day become what she is looking for. Lost. Um, two weeks later, Mackenzie's sister, April, April. uploads a video to Face Space. And she's visibly distraught. She said she was almost wasn't going to make this video. She's like, you don't realize how much you've taken someone for granted until they're gone and you don't see them every day. Mackenzie had secrets, but she always felt safe to share them with her. 
Now Mackenzie is gone too. Is she missing? Did she run away? Her whereabouts remain unknown. Yep. Mackenzie, and, she, and you know, she said Mackenzie refrained from sharing her feelings about John and Angie's disappearance. When she went to live with April, she started to kind of come out of her shell, and they were going to leave the Arcadia. That was, you know, the, I guess the town or the city that they lived in. Uh, but the next morning, she was gone, like she'd vanished. And there were a lot of people who'd gone missing. We start this this montage of people making videos, you know, begging relatives to come home, begging for help, finding their relatives, young and old, yeah. children and adults, everybody's missing somebody. And dozens of people have gone missing in a matter of a few days. And all of this is happening in Darkadia. Um, yeah. Said so they had more people gone missing in the last week than they had the whole year before. Yeah. In the small... This seems like a small town anyway. Yeah, it seems like one. But, um... I mean, we never really get to see the town itself, but, uh... Um, right. Now the police are asking people not to start their own searches it, because there are areas in the forest that should only be explored by professionals. Apparently there are like caves and stuff nearby that only professionals should go into. Um, and then someone whose account profile has since been deactivated left a recorded message on Amy Bickle's social media. Amy Bickle. It went viral and has since been copied. This woman is talking about, I feel like someone's watching me when I'm, when I'm asleep. I live alone. And, you know, so they gave me pills and they gave me harder pills and then other pills to get off the other pills. If you tell people what you're experiencing, you'll, they'll diagnose you and prescribe you with everything. And she says it, it feels like it's really cold, like a damp cold. And the cold could would follow her from one room to another like a presence. And like when you saw something you thought was there or when you get that feeling, that falling feeling in your sleep, that's them. She said, I've woken up with different parts of my body cut off from circulation. I've been afraid that something out there would get me, but I've never imagined it'd be something that's always been here until now. Right. And that's when we get this that's when we get on the screen the text just saying, "Do you believe in ghosts?" Do you believe in ghosts? Eh, somewhat. Somewhat. I'm not like full-blown. I'm in the middle somewhere. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm like the best I can say. <laughs> oh gosh, I have to tell you this story. I used to be a security guard in a hospital. Um and one night, I get a call on my radio from my dispatcher, who's down in like the basement of the hospital where our little office was, and she's like, "Adam, you gotta get down here! I found a ghost on the screen." I'm like, "What?" So I come down there, and you know, she's got, it, it's like this shitty little dispatch it's got all these um, you know screens and monitors up here and stuff, and she ha there's one that was a camera outside of the hospital that you could like control and like zoom in and out on things, and she has it zoomed in. And she points to this screen. It's like, look, look at that. What do you think that is? And I see there, yes, sure enough, on the screen, there's this shadow of something that's like waving back and forth. It's like, it's like on top of the parking garage. And she's like, what you, if that's not a ghost, what is that? So I take the camera and I zoom it out to where she can see the windsock beside the helicopter landing pad that is casting a shadow on the floor, on the ground. And she was like, damn it. I've been working here all this time. I thought I'd surely see a ghost sooner or later. Like, oh my goodness, so that's yeah, her goal. Huh? I am, I am goal. not kidding you. And this, this, this woman, she wasn't like old senile lady. She was like, you know, probably in her in her thirties or something. But yeah, I was like, okay, you um, you keep looking and tell me what you find. 
Um, <laughs> let me know if you see any more wind socks. <laughs> I have never forgotten that. Um, anyways, now April, Mackenzie's sister, was saying that her secrets, McKin- April's or Mackenzie's secrets were her secrets too. At night, she'd wake up and not be able to move, and then it got worse. One time, these shadow figures were shadowy figures were around her bed, and the doctors said it was just night terror, so they just gave her pills and eventually went away. <laughs> yeah. Now, we get another kind of short montage of people talking about the afterlife or the lack thereof. You know, is there a God? Is there life after death? What happens? And this one woman saying how there are a hundred billion people who have lived on this earth and could be ghosts, but haven't made their presence known. And then she says, like, what if ghosts from another planet could reach us, could reach yeah. ours? Now we, we get, you know, we get this really neat shot of like, you know, looking over city and we hear the sounds of a car crash and a 911 call. A, there was a deadly car crash where the car was going way too fast. And a local newscaster... Amy Bickle, again, was pronounced dead on the scene. She was 20 years old. And they show show some of the videos from her social media, and one of them was really funny. She's like, if you're looking for something healthy and delicious, you should try granola. It's the best-tasting clump of pencil shavings you've ever had. (laughs) Oh, I I laughed at that. I laughed at that. Yeah, Um, her videos are pretty good. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she's talking about, like, if you're going to make French toast, don't use the toast that has all the weird grains in it. It makes it weird. Like, yeah, yeah, that would. Who, who has ever done that? Um, <laughs> but then she posted a troubling video on social media of her having a panic attack. She's sitting in her car and she's crying. She said, you can't go anywhere without seeing one of them on a street corner. There's more of them than there are of us. And she doesn't know who's real and who's not anymore. She's like, they'll just be like spaced out in her living room or in her apartment she's you know and then she says she's started getting calls from her dad who's been dead since his accident we don't know how long that is but we know he's dead right right and she's like all he all it was was him telling her to hide yep. and like this really deep like from the back of his throat hide kind of yep. voice and she tried blocking out the numbers but the call still kept coming through and she said she wake up in the middle of the night and still smell the cigarettes he used to smoke so later that night, Carter, the um, the uh, documentarian, dug up these fr- these videos from searching Darcadia hauntings, and we get more videos of people talking about hauntings that they've had. Local newscaster Maxwell Mansbridge, which is probably the coolest name I have ever heard. <laughs> I mean, hi, I'm Maxwell Mansbridge. How, how could you not be like, oh, dude, that is so awesome. Um, he's describing a figure that he saw standing in the corner with his face just like pressed against the wall. And we get more videos of people talking about strange feelings and strange phone calls. There's, you know, this doctor, like psychiatrist who, who was recording sessions with a client and the microphone picked up something strange. It was, you know, the sound of someone whispering, hide, and, you know, or a phone call where you could hear something, you know, you turn up the volume and it was, it was someone whispering, hide. I'm like, dude, this is getting freaky. I mean, I, like I said, for this, for me to know this is a, this is not a true story. I still like, this is, this did a great job of really holding your, holding my attention at least. Um, yeah. Now overnight, 911 and crisis call centers were flooded with similar claims. 
Some people can hear them and see them while other people's can't. They're appearing everywhere. In the house, in the car, in the middle of the freeway, they're everywhere. Now, the screen glows black. Like, like this, this was neat because it was like all of this while you're hearing all of this, all of these people crying and, you know, on the phone, you're kind of just zoomed in on like a, a cassette tape. And then it all goes black. You can still hear people talking, but then you start to hear the voice saying hide. Right. Now we, well done. Yeah, this was very well done. Um, now you hear, uh, or sorry, we go back to the, um, the teacher, um, from earlier. And she's asking, have you heard of the dancing plague? Now, I had to look this shit up. It really is on, it's on Wikipedia. One of these in- instances she's mentioned is on Wikipedia. Oh, like, okay. I didn't look it up. What the okay. hell? The dancing plague, where people would start dancing and just wouldn't stop until they either died or, you know, passed out or what. In 1237, a group of children danced for 20 kilometers. And I had to stop and think, how far is 20 kilometers? Because <laughs> we Americans, we don't like that metric system stuff. <laughs> <laughs> there, and how far is it? Um, Hang on. Um, oh, I thought you had done it. <laughs> no, no, I hadn't. I, I know that like a kilometer is like half of a mile, I think. Or close to half of a mile. So this was, you know, 10 miles roughly. Right. Ooh. So yeah, kids dancing for 10 miles. Um, and now I just made me, well, I had to pause the movie because it made me think of this meme I saw earlier today. You've seen these memes where it's like Americans will do anything to avoid using the metric system. Um, right. Well, I saw one today that was a picture of a toilet that was on display at like Home Depot or something. And there was a literal sign on this, on this toilet that said, this toilet can flush eight, eight pool balls or eight billiard balls in one flush. <laughs> like okay that's um that's a very odd way to say your toilet is good at flushing but <laughs> anyways no um, yeah I, yeah i saw i saw one that said uh it was one of those avoid the metric system said the sinkhole was the size of seven washing machines and it's like <laughs> americans would do anything to avoid using the metric system. <laughs> like seven yeah. washing machines oh man like like when i was living in japan that was one of the hardest parts is like having to convert stuff to metric <laughs> Um, now, again, in 1278, hundreds of people danced until it caused a bridge to collapse. And then this was the one that was on Wikipedia. In 1518 was the largest dancing outbreak in history. One woman started dancing, and before it was done, like, up to 400 people were dancing. And now, now, on Wikipedia, it said it's debated whether or not people died from this, but they're saying here that all this dancing led to heart, heart attacks and deaths. Like, the people were in a trance or something. And she's saying, you know, it happened back then. Another outbreak of mass hysteria could happen today. You know, for all the people who go on missing, they probably woke up that morning thinking it would be another normal day. What if we are the missing and we just don't know it yet? Second time they've said that. (laughs) We are the missing. And then we get this YouTube video titled, I Know Where All of the Missing Went, from Olivia Perkins, who was a waitress who has suffered out-of-body experiences since she was a kid. Now, the doctor said they were just hallucinations. But then it started happening again. And she started floating further and further away from her sleeping body. She And she said this one night, she saw inside a lady's apartment and saw this shadowy figure by her bed with its hands outstretched towards her. And this blue energy came out of the woman's chest into the figure, and the woman just vanished And she wanted to wake up. And then the shadow person turned and looked at her. 
She managed to get back to her body, but then another shadowy figure was standing by her bedside trying to drain the enemy from her sleeping body. So, but the next morning she thought it was a nightmare until she saw the woman from the night before on the news was missing. And this woman was Phoebe Taylor, the teacher we saw earlier. Yeah. Now... And she and this is this was what she said and and oh, this was also the tagline of the movie which I thought was a great tagline um, or a similar tagline. She said, "What's worse than waking up from a nightmare is waking up to one." And I think the tagline of the movie is, "The worst kind of nightmare is the one you wake up to." Oh, okay. And I was like, "That's a great tagline." Um, yeah. Now this girl, she doesn't sleep anymore. She drinks as much coffee and takes as much caffeine pills as possible to stay awake, and. Early, and I, she's done the I same thing Riley had done. Because she, she did the same thing, yeah. Yeah. Where she had a coffee pot in her closet and was just drinking as much coffee as she could. This girl was doing the same thing. She says, they eat at you like a parasite while you, while you sleep. They don't look yep. like they're from around here. She doesn't know how long she can keep this up. And then she turns off the video. Now, this was kind of my one big problem with this movie was this part right here. Because... It actually flashes back, kind of. It says, there was something familiar in what she was detailing. And re after reviewing my footage, I discovered this. She And then, like, you see the computer screen. You see all the video files. You go back to the one where Angie said the exact same thing. And then right. it jumped again to Olivia's video and where she said the exact same thing. I mean, you, that's, that's a little telling. I mean, if you, if you trust your audience is competent enough to follow the story, you should just be able to kind of trust them with you know, figuring out and like, cause I, I remembered it as soon as she's like, yeah, I had a coffee pot in my, in my closet. I was like, Oh, just like Riley did. You know, I didn't, right. I didn't really need them to show me that again and then jump back to the video I just watched and show me that again. That's really my one criticism of this movie. Um, yeah. Cause I mean, it's a short film, so it's not it like, is. It's, yeah, it's only like so yeah, it's only, long. Mm -hmm. So like an hour and 20 yeah. minutes long. Um, yeah. So, that, yeah, they bring up the video of Angie, then they go back to Olivia's video, and then she says, there's something else in Olivia's video that sounds familiar. I've made a note of it to look back at my footage. Later, April contacted me, distressed. So, April, this is Mackenzie's sister again, she said she was running errands when she noticed someone taking photos of her, and she saw him twice in the same day, and it was Maxwell Mansbridge, the local yep. newscaster again. And this guy's taking photos of her with her with his phone, and she's like, and he's like, I'm not taking photos of you. I'm taking photos of who's following you. And she and he was convinced yep. it's a ghost following her. Now after he left, after he left, she heard a voice whispering in her ear, a man named Mikey. Mikey. And then yep. we get you know another bit of text. I knew there was something about Olivia Perkins' video. Is it's in connection with April's experiences, and we get April talking about her night terrors again. And we, you know, we see a text on the screen that says, I didn't have the heart to tell April about April the truth behind Mikey and her night terrors, that they've always been there. And it says something truly explainable, hap truly unexplainable and unexplainable happened in the next 24 hours. Arcadia is a ghost town. It says hundreds of thousands of people, including Carter, the woman making this documentary, mm -hmm. Carter and recorded this. I guess the last morning she woke up thinking she'd slept through the whole day, but it was only noon and it was dark outside. 
it's not that something is in the dark, but the dark is something. And she gets a call from Mackenzie. And this is, again, they're showing like the wave format of the phone call. That's all you're seeing on the screen. All you hear is Mackenzie saying, hide. And Carter hangs up and starts crying. She says, the ghosts weren't trying to scare us. They were trying to warn us. And April received a text from Carter asking her to finish this documentary. And since that fateful night, or fateful night, the curve flattened. Now, I have to know, did that, was that bit of dialogue written before or after this pandemic, or during this <laughs> pandemic? Because when I hear yeah. curve flattened, I was like, is this yep. supposed to be like a metaphor for COVID? <laughs> but yeah, then I remember, no, I, this movie, yeah. the screenplay was written from, was like written from 2016 to 2019. So it's not, not a COVID documentary. Um, but, but then like life started to return to normal. People could leave their homes again. And she said, I knew we were going back to normal when someone gave me the middle finger in traffic. Yeah. Um, she says, if this happened to us, it could happen again. If losing someone is painful, it's better to know you experienced love than to miss out on it entirely. There's just one thought that does creep into my mind. It's that whoever you are, if it happened here, it can happen anywhere. Anywhere. Yep. Now we get the final bit of dialogue. A newscaster reporting on a wave of children all drawing the same thing when asked to draw a self-portrait of themselves with their best friend. They drew a ghost woman named Mackenzie. Mackenzie. Mackenzie the ghost. And the lady says, when the children ask why... When the children are asked why she's their best friend, they all say it's because she helps keep the bad people away. Roll credits. Yep. Now, I gotta wonder, like, was Mikey trying to do the same thing? Was See, Mikey another a, pre, a victim <clears throat> of these things, whatever they were? Right, like, that's what it seems like. Like, Mikey, like, Mackenzie's now taking Mikey's place, but... But, but they made Mikey sound more sinister. They really did. That's why I'm not positive. Mm-hmm. Be because, you know, they made him sound like he was more, not the ghost like Mackenzie is, but the other being that they're warning him from. Yeah, maybe. Warning like, them about. And, and that's another thing I want to know is, like, if, there's some, if people are supposed to hide, how are they supposed to hide from something they can't see? <laughs> that, that, that's just a question that I have. But Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> but overall... This was a very well-made and entertaining film, I think. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's just, it shows that people can still be very creative with how they make movies. Because, you know, like I said, a lot of this film feels like it was shot on iPhones. And I know there have been movies made before where the entire thing was shot on an iPhone. But this, had a, but this you know, there was no, like, fancy camera work except for, like I said, some of those segues where they're showing, like, all the scenery and everything. Right. Um, there was no, like... Like, like, like if someone was holding a camera filming themselves, there was no gimbal that was keeping it, you know, stable. It was just them holding a camera, talking into it. And that, 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 since that's something you see every day, that made it, made it feel pretty real to me. Right. I mean, yeah, you, you, like, you think about, you know, this, we just had that huge explosion in Lebanon recently. Seeing all the, all of the film footage shot from cell phones of that. You know, because, you know, nowadays everybody's got a camera in their pocket. Everybody can make videos of stuff like this. So, yeah, yep. seeing that made it feel real, I thought. Um, so, I just wanted to say thank you <clears throat> very much to 
the writer and director of this film for reaching out to us, Mr. Andrew J.D. Robinson. I really enjoyed your movie, man. Um, yeah, and I'll just tell people that if you, and everybody seems to be into this right now, if you like sitting there watching those true crime shows where you're seeing the heads talking, that's what this is, and you're going to love it. It's, yeah. If you watch the ID channel, you're going to love this movie. If you watch forensic files on headline news or whatever, you're going to love this movie. This is that type of thing. Yeah. Um, and it's all it's on YouTube. The entire movie is on YouTube for free in 4K, in glorious 4K. Um, <laughs> and Josh, if I'm not mistaken, let me check something real quick. If I am not mistaken... Oh, no, it's not yet. It's it's two, it's two uh, like two days from now. We are coming up on our one-year anniversary of the Cinematic Blind Spots podcast. Our very first episode was put out on August 11th, 2019. What a year it has been. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> we went from all these great movies coming out to all of these movies, great movies maybe coming out? I mean, hell, all these did, great movies being pushed back. All these great movies being pushed back or being pushed straight to video on demand, like we just found out Mulan is going to be. Um, right. Like I didn't even like actually watch Mojo put out a video the other day on top ten movies that have been delayed or affected by the pandemic, and like movies I didn't even realize had been affected, like Fast Nine. Um, and then uh, there was a Wes Anderson movie that's supposed to be coming out um, this year mm. that has not made it out yet. I think it, you know, they, it premiered at Cannes or, or, or something like that. And then right. yeah, it hasn't made out, hasn't come out yet. Oh, oh God. I'm looking forward to not having to worry about that. anymore. like, I really miss movies. I miss going to the movie theaters. Yeah. I think for me, my personal number one, obviously is Halloween kills. I was so gutted when I heard like, that was the last movie I had to look forward to this year. <laughs> <sighs> oh, well, I guess I'll have to just rewatch the Halloween series this this October, <laughs> or something to that effect. <laughs> no, well, see, I watched all the Halloween movies last year. I might watch all the Friday the Thirteenth or all the Nightmare on Elm Streets this year or something. Oh, there you go. Yeah, because I still haven't seen all of those. Oh, right. expand your palate. Yes. So this episode will be out on Friday the fourteenth, I believe. So there, will, but there will not be another episode, or there will not be an episode the next Friday after that, unfortunately, due to scheduling conflicts. Uh, but that is going to wrap things up for this episode of Cinematic Blind Spots. I'm Adam, and I'm Josh. And always remember, whether you are in your car or in your theater, be sure and check your blind spots. You guys, take care, stay healthy, stay safe, and we will see you next time.